1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday, Solar Eclipse Monday, uh, here on the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk about that a little bit, and of course, what's going on with USC Trojan football. Lots of news and notes to get to, a bunch of your questions. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. About this USC football team, we're going to talk to the coach if you have questions for us podcast at uscfootball.com that's the most common way to get a hold of us that's our email address send us a question we'd love to read it and answer it here on the podcast or if you want to call and leave a voicemail or even text us if you want to send us a text and have a question for me or the coach or any of the uscfootball.com staff you can call 424-254-9141 that's call or text and we will get it and uh, play it on the air or read it on the air and then do our very best to answer your question. Uh, we're on iTunes. You can subscribe, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast, along with all the other podcasting platforms, the Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play. If you can't find us somewhere, let us know. We'll make sure we get listed there as well. Going into our 10th football season, and the countdown's only two weeks away, which is crazy, before football will be here. This weekend, there'll be some football uh, so other college football, too, is starting in less than a week, so that's going to be exciting, too. So let's bring in the coach and talk about what's been going on with the team. Coach, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Ryan, and uh, we're just about ready for kickoff. And you know what? I love what you have on your website, too. You have a countdown, number of days, number of hours, minutes, seconds, the whole thing. So if people want to check that out, they'll know exactly how much time there is to deal the Trojans play.
1: Yeah, as of right now we got just over 12 days as we're recording this on Monday morning. So, less than 2 weeks. Uh kind of exciting, kind of crazy. Um speaking of that crazy too, which going to talk about this right off the top coach. Well, I want to give our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, um and then we'll talk about something else. SCtickets.com is the place you can go if you need tickets for anything or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. If tickets for anything, I mean anything, but the Dodgers are hot right now. The Angels are hot right now. If you're in Southern California and you want to go check out a baseball game, especially before football season gets into full swing, it's perfect time to do it. Both local teams are doing great, but you can obviously see tickets from, get tickets from anywhere across the country, wherever you are, setickets.com, uh, can help you out. But coach, I was just, we, we usually start taping our show at 10 and I was like, coach, can we do it at 1030? and because i want to go look at the solar eclipse and i didn't look i know you know it's like all this stuff going on at ten twenty one local time was the uh the the height of the solar eclipse for uh los angeles or at least it wasn't redondo beach um where i am right now and it was uh, i guess it gets to about 62 percent um blocked out so that's that's the as good as it got so i was out there took a cereal box this morning cut it up you know put the pasted some paper in there tinfoil pinhole and made my little projector thing or viewing box to look at the uh solar eclipse tried to take a few pictures i tweeted those out uh, i don't know if you looked at it, coach but you know it's kind of a historic thing i thought it was kind of a neat thing so i had to delay the podcast a little bit because of the eclipse
0: no problem ryan no problem if you want to take a look at the Moon, moon going in front of the sun, that's great. i tell you, I, I didn't really get that excited about it. I know it's going to happen. I'm planning on doing it again in 2024. Okay. I think that's when I'll watch it, okay?
1: That's the next one, huh?
0: Yeah, I want to watch the next one. All right. I didn't want to watch this. I wanted to make sure there's a reason I had to be here, okay?
1: Whoop. We'll try not to schedule a podcast during uh, that next uh, <laughs> solar eclipse there. But, yeah, it's, it's all over the TV it's kind of fun. People, social media is kind of funny. People looking at it with their phones and, you know, I don't I think it's kind of funny. Like did all the caveman go, go cavemen go blind because they didn't know to buy solar eclipse glasses or anything like that. Um, I don't know, some of this stuff seems a little bit of, uh, seems a little bit strange. You're really going to go blind by looking at this thing, but I looked through my box. I didn't look directly at it. So, uh, hopefully my eyes are safe.
0: Well, I don't know about the cavemen, <laughs> but, uh, uh, if they did look at it and it's a true, uh, fact that what people say you shouldn't look at it, they probably had a little difficulty with that. Yeah, I would think I bet you then, they got scared as hell too.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was very different. People asking about, well, what about animals? Do animals look at the sun? And I I don't know, maybe it's kind of funny. Like you look at this, yeah, whatever. We don't need to talk about the eclipse much more, but if you, you know, send uh, us an email if you want to talk about the eclipse. Um, I tweeted out a picture of me looking into a cereal box, so I thought it was kind of funny. I just said, we live in strange times. But here we are, checking out the eclipse, looking in cereal boxes and through crazy glasses and, and all that kind of fun stuff. But it's fun, it's fun to talk about. Um, but while the eclipse was going on, which is still going on right now, actually, as we're talking, but um, the AP poll came out, Coach. The preseason AP poll is here, and... Kind of a big deal. Uh, you know, because the, you know, the top four spots are where you get into the playoff. Obviously the AP ranking doesn't matter for that, but you know, you get a a better feel for where teams are. And it, you know, the, for USC fans, Alabama is number one. Ohio State's number two. Florida State's number three. And the USC Trojans of the Pac 12 are number four. So if you're just looking at top four teams in the country, if that, this is the way that ends up. USC would be, uh, in the playoff. So, um, our, our guy shotgun wrote and we, we had him on the podcast last week. He said four, number four hasn't been a good spot for USC though. Three times they've opened the season, fourth in the AP poll and they didn't finish top 10 in any of those three seasons. So I don't know if that's foreboding or whatever. We'll see. But, uh, what do you think coach about USC being ranked number four in the preseason poll?
0: Well, that's where I had him. I had them four. I had Penn State five. I had, of course, Alabama number one because uh, they're loaded with talent and they know what it's all about there. Number two, I had Florida State because they have so many talented uh, returners. And Jimbo Fisher at the end of the year last year after they beat Michigan in the bowl game said, hey, we're really going to be good next year. I've got Ohio State third. They're talented. They've got their quarterback back and so on. And Urban Myers is going to try to prove something as far as getting shut out in his bowl game against Clemson or playoff game against Clemson. Then I've got the Trojans. I think the Trojans have the talent. I think the Trojans now have to find out if they've grown up and they are a national power, and uh, I think it's them to prove it. I think they're in that position now. I think all the pressure is on them, not anybody that has to play them as far as on their schedule, but I think can they accept the pressure of being highly ranked and can they answer to it? and continue through the season with that type of pressure. And I think that's exactly what everybody's looking at. I think it's a great place to be ranked, but again, you have to live up to uh, that uh, what people think of you. I think it's something that you have to be aware of, and it's something you have to address, and then you have to go out and play like it. And I think this is what everybody's waiting to see what will happen.
1: They are, you know, and, and typically when we've talked to the players or coaches, they don't really care about preseason rankings or rankings throughout the season, stuff like that. So we'll, we'll be back out at practice on Tuesday. At least I'll I'll be out there with our team and, um, you know, probably get some sort of reaction, but I don't expect, uh, a whole lot. But I agree with you, coach. It's, it's more about, it's not like talking about what the rankings are, but do you, every player, every coach, I mean, they know what that, that is. They know they're favored in games. They know that people expect them to go on and beat Stanford and beat Texas and be 3 and 0 to start the season and and be one of the top teams in the country. The question is just how well will these guys handle it? How well will the coaching staff handle it? Last year was very different where, you know, you were left for dead and you and you come you rise from the ashes and everyone says, "Wow, this team is great." But now they expect you to be great. And uh, you know, preseason number 4 in the AP with, you know, the most prominent poll out there, the ones that, you know, everyone usually looks to, uh, it's pretty high, you know, and that's, it's a big jump. Um, you know, from last year, are they going to be able to get over the hump and beat Stanford? Can they avoid trap games like Washington state on a Friday night? It's hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they're better in better position coach than they were. Like we talked about when high expectations were in 2012. Uh, it just seems like this team's a little more buttoned up and a little more together uh than those other years. But I don't know, if, if any insight from you, Coach, on looking at this team, if you could project, yeah, they look like they're ready to live up to the hype or eh, it might be difficult.
0: I think this team is looking forward to the challenge. Uh, I think the coaching staff is. I think you guys, they should look forward to the challenge. You know, they won a Rose Bowl game. They came back and showed their pride in that. Uh, they've won nine straight football games. They've had the taste of starting the season uh, poorly as they did last year. I think it's great for the university, it's great for the crowds, it's great for college football, great for the kids, uh, it's great for recruiting, the morale of the university as far as uh, the whole package, kids going back to school and can't wait to get to the opening game of the year. I think it's just a fabulous thing. I'd rather be ranked fourth than not ranked at all because people then assume that you're not any good and you have to prove something. I think it's something you have to live up to though and I challenge my team is this is what people think of you are you what they think? And let's get out there and get it done and uh, play play by play and play our you-know-what off and uh, be the type of team that people expect us to be and enjoy it. Enjoy the triumph after the victory and get ready for the next. So you've got a lot of battles uh, during the season, and we'll find out at the end of the season who wins the war. And I think it's a great challenge. I think they have to have a great start, though, obviously, with Western Michigan and then, of course, stanford who's not intimidated and has no pressure on them whatsoever to come down here it's all on usc and texas coming to the coliseum with their new coach trying to make a statement obviously against the trojans so all the pressure is on the trojans and that's the way you got to line up and that's the way you got to play and you can't run and hide about it or talk about it they all know about it now let's see if you they can be of who what people think they should be with the players and what they have at usc
1: and coach the um you know, the, the preseason rankings come just after USC concluded fall camp. Um, obviously, there's still two weeks left uh, before the first game against Western Michigan, but now they're not calling it fall camp anymore. Now it's going to be like a regular game week. So um, kind of two weeks of what regular game week practices will be like. Um, you know, a Tuesday and a, and a Wednesday, like the main practices uh, more of a walkthrough stuff on Monday and and Thursdays and things like that, um, and Friday before the game. So uh, really, like the main juicy parts of the practices are going to be uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But they finished off what they you know fall camp on Saturday in the Coliseum and full uniforms. Uh, you could tackle um, referees, uh, kind of a mock game experience. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on. How you thought that played out? It was a, it was a little strange because it was mostly a showcase for the younger players. Um, Sam Darnold got one series and you got to see him go down and score a touchdown. He, he looked good. Uh, Ronald Jones, like, every, you know, the starters looked good, but pretty much, and the, the starting defense didn't play at all. So it was pretty much an opportunity for some of the young guys to get in there and play. We saw a lot of the second string defense, second string offense, things like that. But I kind of want to get your thoughts on how fall camp ended if you liked it and anything you wanted to see changed or or any thoughts on that.
0: Well, you know, um, first of all, you always want to end fall camp on a positive note. You want your offense to have a lot of confidence. You want your defense to have a lot of confidence. I thought it was a little strange that you wouldn't play your defense at all because there's so much timing and speed in the game and, uh, you don't want to lose that edge that the defense had. The, the defense really has a great edge. And if they dominated the second offense, everyone would expect that, and the defense would feel pretty good coming off the field and continue that if you want one or two series. But I don't think uh, Coach Helton wanted to gamble on an injury. He's uh, satisfied with what they've done. and uh But I don't want them to lose, or I feel I don't want them to lose, their timing, their pursuit angles. Their speed of the game, their conditioning that goes along with playing. Remember, like I've always said, it's different conditioning when you're playing a football game than running sprints or doing drills. But uh, that's what they elected to do, so I'll go along with that. That's their team. They know what's best for their team. I thought it was good that the offense did produce, and I think it's great the young players had a chance to show off who they are because you're going to have to put together a depth chart and you're going to have to decide who you're going to redshirt, who's going to be the scout teams, and all of the above. But I do think that you can't pull back too early either. You can't uh, shut it down and then expect to turn it up and get ready to play. And again, when you talk about game planning, game week, I don't think they'll really start doing that right away. I think they'll do a lot of review and timing and substitution and go over all the mistakes at the scrimmage because you don't want them to start thinking about Western Michigan too early where you're ready to play the game too early, and you're not emotionally ready on September the 2nd. You'll probably bring that game plan in a day earlier than what you normally do, or two days, maybe the most earlier before you do. You don't want the kids to get too high on the first game. So uh, I don't know what they'll when they'll do that, but I think that's something that they talk about making it a game type of week practice. But I think it'll be more review and making themselves better at what they do do and who they are.
1: Yeah, it's um, I, I I didn't have an issue with it, coach. But it I, you know maybe one series or something. You see the starting defense out there. Uh, he knows what he's getting out of Port Gustin and Chenon Wusu and Rashim Green. That's what Coach Helton, uh Clay Helton told us after uh the scrimmage. So, you know, it's just it's just the way you kind of go out there and do things. Um I'm expecting bigger things from this defense. And I it the the feeling I'm getting, Coach, is that Clay Helton knows what he has there. He feels very confident, and maybe on the offensive side they they still need to get these guys up to speed, get some of the younger receivers integrated in, get the offensive line exactly where they want it. Where on the defensive side, they're like, kind of, know, you know, there's known commodities there. They know what they're getting. Maybe there's a few pieces that they're playing around with or some guys that could get some, uh, you know, some reps if, if the starters go too long. It's just too many plays in the game, something like that. It seems more tweaking right now on the defensive side and more, Still more like bigger thing, you know, bigger fish to fry, I guess, on the offensive side.
0: Yeah, I think they have down their starting team, except for one corner. Jack Jones played a lot as far as with the second unit on defense, but they think he needs the work. So I think that's important. You give the kids the, the time that need the work. If kids don't need the time of work and understand their assignments, that's fine. But I, I always talk about the speed of the game, the consistency – the conditioning of the game, the recognition of the game, the unit pride of the game. And uh, I don't like to see kids just standing around the entire time uh, not mentally getting ready to play because they know they're not going to play. But that's why, as you say, and as Coach Helton said, he's seen it. He knows what he needs. So I'll buy it. I'll go along with it. But, again, you know, you got to show up and play on, the, on September 2nd. And uh, the defense has certainly been prominent, and dominant, during the, the fall camp, I uh, just hope that they can continue it. And remember, they've been doing an awful lot, showing the offense an awful lot. They probably have in just about everything they're going to do the entire year, I'm just guessing. There isn't much more they can put in as far as stunts and this and that and different things they do. There will be other additions later on as they game plan teams. So they've thrown a lot at the offense. They've an awful lot at the offense, so the offense, you know, doesn't pick up... All these things as fast as the defense can throw them in. So, uh, I think that Coach Helton wanted the offense to be successful and become positive, and I think that happened.
1: Well, Coach, let's, uh, let's jump into some questions. How about that? Okay. Well, there's some questions people have sent in. Uh, let's see. We got one. This is, okay, for Coach Harvey Hyde. It appears to me that four of the five positions on the offensive line are solid, but I'm not as confident about one of the guard positions you've expressed concern over certain players, not having the athleticism to play guard. As we get closer to establishing the beginning depth chart, what are your observations about where we stand? Do you see any of the first year players like Austin Jackson or Andrew Voorhees being able to contribute on the interior?
0: Well, I certainly, uh, on the interior, as far as the guard position, I don't think yeah. they're guards. I think they're going to play. Uh, I think they, they'll they develop as tackles. I, I don't think either one of them will be redshirted. Uh, I I believe in the uh, depth chart when it comes out. I'll be very surprised if Lobedon isn't at the left tackle spot. Uh, and uh, Chris Brown will be at the left guard spot. I'll be very surprised if that doesn't happen because I think that's what's been Basically, in their mind, having the uh, players who have started the most games and have the most experience to be in the offensive line. And I think they'll try to solve that left tackle position. And I think that Lobanon is a great guard. Not saying that Chris Brown can't play that, but like I've told you before, I feel he's a little tall for that position. As far as now playing, if you look at defensive linemen today that play the inside, they're all 6'1", 6'2", 320 pounds. And they come off the ball and they play under you. You can't really get any leverage on them when you're a big, tall guy. It's hard. They, came, they come up and they come into you and drive you back because you're taller and bigger. And it's very difficult for you to get any push off the offensive line on them. So uh, we'll see. And I hope Chris can do it. Because if he can do it at that size and, and play and Lobedon can play, as we always say, we want the best five players on the field. Uh, and you want uh Sam Darnold or any quarterback's back taken care of where he has the confidence and he knows that he's not going to get hit from the back, then I think that'll be great. But uh I think those two players he mentioned, those young players, are going to be great players, great players, and they'll play themselves into being even better players. I hope to get the opportunity to play a lot, because as I say all the time, the only way you Learn to play the game of football is play the game of football under full power when everybody's trying to go after you. And you learn off of the tapes after the games of what you did right and what you did wrong. And it's sorry I say to tell you this, but you always learn more when you make a mistake and you say, I'm not going to do that again. But I really think so. I really think that's what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to seeing just what the depth chart shows.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that too, Coach. And, I, you know, you get got to feel for, you know, we've seen what the offensive line is likely going to look like. Um, with Toa Lobanon at left tackle and, you know, Vianney and Chris Brown at guard and, um, you know, Chuma Doga right tackle and Nico Fall at center. They wanted to pick their top five and that's, it seems like that's what they're settling into. I actually tried to talk to Neil Callaway, the offensive line coach about this and he gave me like a no comment. So they, they're not really saying much, but you can watch and see who's getting first team reps. You get the feeling that's the way it's going to go. I just don't see anything like that changing over these next, over the next week or so, uh, heading into the game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go out to practice and see maybe, you know, they might have saw something in film. They make a switch at this late time. I, I mean, that's possible, but I just don't really see that happening. I'm not really sure though, coach, like, you know, we saw Chris Brown start the opener last year and then he didn't get a start right. the rest of the way. Damian Mama took over. Um, do you think if like an Austin Jackson is going to play or an Andrew Voorhees or one of those guys, is it a situation where maybe someone's just not performing well after a game or two and they're going to try something out or, you know, would have to be an injury. How do you think something like that could happen?
0: Absolutely. If you're not getting it done at one position, you definitely have to make a change. You can tell by watching if, uh, If a kid gets dominated and maybe doesn't have the athletic ability, you've got to make the change. If you don't make the change, you're hurting the entire football team, the offensive side of the ball or the defense or the whole team as far as the final outcome of the game. So you've got to watch it closely. And as you mentioned, they made a change after the first game last year, and they'll be looking at this too to see exactly who performs the best way and what's the best option for them, the option of improving that. And I think that's where they'll go. And, uh, uh, that'll be a main concern of mine. And I know it is at the coaches on how they can make that something. But their second game, they're going to be challenged. They're going to be challenged and they got to get somebody ready to play. And, uh, same with the third game. And not that all the games aren't important, but I'm just saying you got to, you got to have that solved. And if you got to do it, I'd rather do it earlier against a team like Western Michigan that I assume USC should beat. Being a 21 point uh, favorite, I'd like to see Jackson and Worries play a lot, really play a lot, and get a real true evaluation of them under uh, fire. I really would. I'd really want to see how they could do, and I'd give them a lot of reps. I really would to just see what their ability is uh, at their young age uh, in a real contest.
1: That'll well, be something to keep watching. So we'll we'll keep doing that for you uh, up on USCFootball.com. We had a question from Tarek uh, about the wide receivers. He says, "What has Jalen Green done that seems to make him untouchable on offense?" Don't hear much about him from Clay or um, any of the notes on USCFootball.com. What do you what do you think about Jalen Green? I, I've had that come up a few times. People ask because uh, he he gets a lot of the first team reps right now, so some people are kind of questioning that.
0: Well you know what he is, he's a great athlete. And you know you just don't know where to play him. That's he's a backup quarterback maybe. Uh so what happens when you have a kid that can do it all like he can, you sort of, he sorta of gets lost of where is he playing, what do we need him to play at? Is he receiver, is he a backup quarterback? But he just if he just decides he's gonna be one and they tell him he's gonna be one, he's gonna be better at that. And uh and believe that's what his role is and that's what his job is and Sam Darnold knows him better as a receiver, and he's got more confidence that he's going to be in the game and playing there. Uh, I think he's had a great fall camp. I think the receivers have got to identify themselves of who they're going to be, and I think that uh, that uh, you've got to get your your guys together. You hear me talk about it all the time. You can't have twenty guys, fifteen guys, even six guys, maybe six or five guys. Uh, uh, not realizing who's going to play in the game. All people have got to be prepared. But you don't have a lot of time to get this offensive uh, unit going. You don't have a lot of time before you have to really get after somebody. So you've got to get your group together, who the best ones are, and and they all know who the best ones are. There's no secret about it. I mean, I don't have watched the tapes or, or talk, but if I was to ask Sam Darnold who the best receivers, he'd tell you. The receivers would tell you who's the best receivers and who should be playing. They'd tell you who's the best new receivers, who they're afraid of, who's going to be someone that's going to be dominant. They know all that. i tell you, if I was going to pick one of the surprise packages of, of, of the fall camp, it would be the two receivers, Lewis and Grimes. Uh, they're going to be great players. Grimes is going to be a great player. And I could go through others. Jones is going to be a great player. I mean, these are surprise kids, Jackson, these other kids, Carr, that are going to be great players. Surprise practices. So, And and the players know who can play. The players, you know, if you, I, I say this every year, I'm sorry I'm using this, this again, but if you could pick the starting lineup and you were a player, except you couldn't pick your own position, they would pick the best players on every single position. They know who they are. They know who they want to see on the field. And then they could even pick the field goal kicker. They got a feeling too there that who should do that for them too. So uh the receivers, they're talented, but who's going to be on the field? And that's what they're going to have to determine. And Greed's an outstanding player. But, again, is he a receiver? Is he a quarterback? Whatever. He's got to have a label of what I am and who I am, and everybody knows that so they can look at him as that.
1: Yeah, it's um because of the group of receivers. And I i just feel like you're going to see a lot of these guys rotate in. And it might be this a situation where – like Deontay Burnett didn't really get on the field until Stephen Mitchell got hurt. You know, we've seen Mitchell get a bunch of first team reps now. He seems to be playing better. I think Jalen Green's been playing, you know, playing well. Uh, like a Tyler Vons was getting a lot of second team reps, but he's been one of the best receivers to me. I can't see him not being out there. And I, I think a lot of guys will get playing time, but it might be settling into, Hey, Sam Darnold feels more comfortable throwing to. This receiver as opposed to that receiver and that receiver is going to get, uh, more reps and more playing time or, and we, we've seen receivers come in coach and get a bunch of playing time and really not get any targets. It could be something like that. I think there's a lot of stuff that's up in the air with this receivers, but with this group of receivers, but I don't think if, if you're looking at like, Oh, this guy's been starting. I haven't heard much about him. He must be terrible. Like, I don't think that's the case. But there's a there's a lot of guys rotating in. I think they're trying to give younger guys a lot of reps. And then it's going to come down to who Sam Darnold feels more comfortable throwing to. So even if a guy's starting, um, he might not get thrown to a whole lot. We're just not sure. So I think that's the sort of thing will sell itself out. Sam Darnold's not going anywhere. So if he doesn't feel comfortable throwing to somebody, I think you'll be able to notice right away. And that, that person probably is not going to be on the field
0: i agree with you but i'll tell you another thing you can't get back to that one receiver type of target like they've had in the past with woods and aguilar and that you can't get back to those numbers uh, with burnett you've got to spread the ball around the field he's got to be able to throw the ball to the tight end and everybody the backs on dumps and the whole package that's where you're a better offensive football team you can't allow yourself to get back to one receiver type of offense and uh so the confidence has got to be there with Sam Darnold, and I have all the confidence in the world that he'll do that, but you've got to give him the opportunity to get used to his receivers and build that confidence with them as far as I can throw the ball to anybody. And that's what he was doing at the end of the year with Smith and and uh, the whole group, the tight end and uh, and Burnett and uh, Darius Rogers. I mean, he threw the ball to anybody because he had the confidence they would make the play. So you've got to give him that opportunity that he knows that who his receivers are will make the play. You can't get back to this one receiver thing, which really has hurt USC in the past. Guy, yeah, they broke all the records and all this and that, but that wasn't what the best thing was for the offense. So they can't allow that to happen. And don't forget the tight end. I keep telling you that all the time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's gonna be a uh like a Deontay Burnett offense or anything. I just you know I don't see something like that happening. So, uh, I think that's a good thing. Um, let's see. We'll move on. Curtis in Merino Valley. He says, Hey guys. Um, he, he said, I heard shotgun spratling say that Brandon Peely is six foot four, 340 pounds. He's so quick and athletic, uh, that he's just running around everywhere or running around everyone. This reminded me of seeing him, uh, this reminded me of seeing him used as a tailback in high school just an idea could one of you uh talk to t martin um what talk to t martin about this? what is he talk, um so he okay so basically he wants to know would you would you think usc should consider using a full size uh a supersized fullback with uh, athleticism in the offense what a scary thought for the defense A 6 foot 4 340-pound back, lead blocking and running the ball in short yard situation. I bet he can catch too. Also tell Coach Hyde not to worry about Porter Gustin. He's been working on flexibility and quickness, and he definitely is that, quote, first guy off the bus for intimidation factor. Porter was a dual-threat quarterback linebacker in high school who led his team in TD passes and tackles also. He also had a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball in baseball, and he decided to come to USC to kill opposing quarterbacks. I think uh, he and the defense will be fine. That's from Curtis in Marino Valley.
0: Curtis, thank you very much. I agree. He's a great athlete. There's no question about it. I just, when I talk about athletes or talk about them, I just talk about sometimes in areas and areas that they need to improve on. And if he improves in that area, he'll be a fabulous player. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to in any way, uh just my opinion as far as evaluating players and, and i think i hope he number 45 does a great job i really do now as far as brandon Paley is concerned i'll tell you i've had a chance to talk about a lot of these players individually i watched him in, in scrimmages i've watched him i've looked at him and evaluated him i really think he's going to be a heck of a player and uh, he's got great quickness he's big he's strong and he's learning every single day he's going to be almost a uh, you know, he's a, he's a Southeastern Conference type of lineman. I mean, this kid was, um, a lot of people didn't know about this kid. And this kid is really, uh, I saw him on his high school video, and at that time I said, this kid can play. And he can play. Now, are, am I against the idea of putting him in the backfield as far as on goal line situations? Absolutely not. If this kid's got the speed, as you say. I know he has the quickness and the speed, but, I mean, if, he, if he's had that experience, Heck yes, if that's what it takes to win a football game, you do whatever you need to do to win a football game. And if he can line up there and take it into the end zone and you try to hit him or stop him, absolutely, I feel that that's something you can put in your offense. But again, you have to evaluate what you can do. You can only do too much or too, so much, and you want to make sure that what you do is the right thing as far as for your offense. But, uh, I think it'd be a fun thing. We used to do things like that at time when the team would really get a lot of, laughs and enthusiasm when you'd put somebody in like that and the big guy would go into the end zone and uh it was it was fun but uh, he's gonna be a great player there's no question in my mind it's he's growing up every day
1: yeah I, I mean I don't see I haven't seen any indication that they would do something like that um and i I haven't really gone back and watched him uh running back but he's put on so much weight um I think you know they're going to focus on he's a true freshman he has a chance to contribute i don't think they're going to take any time away from anything he's doing on the defensive side of the ball now if he you know two years down the road he's like a you know been starting for a couple of years and you know he's comfortable with everything that they're doing and they want to put a package or something like that i guess that's a possibility but it's just not been uh i don't know it just hasn't, i don't i don't I Haven't seen anything indication of that um they got a lot of weapons on offense. I'm just not sure that's the kind of direction that this offense would be going. I don't I don't know if you've seen any indication that they would want to do anything like that, coach.
0: No, I haven't. And I wouldn't certainly burn a redshirt, shirt on him if they're going to do that. I think he's too good the to redshirt. But uh uh no, I just said that if it was something that, you know, they wanted to do, they could do it, but uh, I haven't seen any type of indication on that.
1: Yeah. Um but we'll see. Yeah, he's a beast. And you you watch him walking around out there. It's uh he's a man, so true freshman. It's kind of crazy to see some of the big guys that USC has you know walking around uh on the sidelines. We are up close and personal with this, especially the defensive side of the ball and Saturday scrimmage. You can see them close and yeah, they're big. Uh we got one last one from Melvin. This is kind of a strange this is like not really about the team, but um he says, Hello, Podcast. Great that we're getting close to the start of the season. His question is what year does the new early signing period start? And when it starts, uh what time period is the early signing period? Does it start already? Has USC signed any early recruits? Uh Melvin and uh Melvin, it starts this year, so um they haven't you can't sign anyone yet. Uh that's in December, but um yeah, so it's it's starting now. I got to talk to a lot of coaches at Pac-12 Media Day about it. Uh, most of them didn't seem all that happy with it. People would like it getting tweaked. There's different, you know, philosophies in general for USC. It's probably not a good thing because USC is good at stealing other people's recruits late if someone falls through. Um, but you're a, you know, a lot of the mid-majors or some of the, you know, the, like the Oregon states and the Washington states of the world, probably better for them than it would be for people that recruit the very highest levels like in Alabama or Ohio State or USC. But uh, that's this year. Uh, And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Coach.
0: Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it because it comes during the bowl season. And if you're preparing for a bowl game and you're trying to do all the activities that are required for a bowl game, game planning and everything else and recruiting that you normally do, and then also worry about national letter of intent for your early signees, I think it's too much. I think it's too much for the coaches. You're burning everybody out, and you can't do the job you're supposed to do the best to your ability. It's just too much. Uh, you know, just like this extra week of practice, it's too much. You're burning out the players. You're burning out the coaches. It's too long of a period of time, and a lot of these people that are making these decisions, I don't know where they're coming from, but it's just too much. You can't ask someone to prepare for the Rose Bowl or prepare for a bowl game and get ready for national letter of intent and do all the things that are necessary. You can't. You've got to have more uh, uh, recruiting visits. Uh, you've got to have all these things earlier done during the season when you're preparing for a game and all the different things you got to do. I just think it's too much. You're trying to throw too much into a short period of time when you're trying to win a championship or do too much. Uh, yeah, sure, it'll help a team that doesn't go to a bowl game, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the players anyway. But the point of it is I, I think they're throwing too much and making – Football, too involved and uh, too long. And I think I, I, would, I would really uh, I really predict predicted they'll take that other week away. Uh, you know, they're doing that for safety, but I don't think it was a safety factor. I, the guys hated it. Every coach i talked to hates it. Every player I've talked to hates it. It's a long period of time to just practice in the fall. It was long before. But now it's a whole extra week, and then you have recruiting and early signing period. I mean, I, I don't understand all that, Ryan.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I think some of the timing stuff is weird too. Um, but also I think they're going to have to tweak it because there's going to be like, well, when can you take official visits? And there's, it, there's the timing of all of it. You know, I think it was kind of rushed through. So, um, uh, we'll see if they're willing to make tweaks, uh, every year to help coaches in time. I think it can be a good thing for some players, but it can be a bad thing for, for others. Uh, you know, I talked to Rich Rodriguez from Arizona, the head coach, and he said, I don't even know why we have signing day at all. Just have it. If, if you guys come to agreement, sign, you know, like it doesn't have to have a special day. Um, so I mean, every coach you talk to, you're going to get a little bit different opinion. Rich Rod was very animated. I remember when I talked to him about a coach, but, uh, it's <laughs> everyone's got a different opinion on it. Well, I, but I, my gut is it's going to be tweaked, uh, no matter what.
0: Well, we'll see what happens, uh, with that. And, uh, you never know, uh, you know, what why people do certain things that you, you know you try to change too many things and and you don't do any of them very good yeah <laughs> so i used to say whatever you do do well yes and uh when you have to do too many things you have to give up something else so uh i think they should somewhat keep it the way it was but again uh you know i'm one of these traditional type of guys that uh, work on a clock and understand uh, what and uh, how what works best for us and If you talk to anybody, talk to Nick Saban, all these guys hate this stuff. And, of course, you know, he's got one of the best programs, as everybody else does. Everybody wants that type of program. But uh, (laughs) I don't know how they expect everybody to do all that during bowl period and everything.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. Um, We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening, how that gets tweaked. And uh, one thing before I let you go, Coach, we are trying to put together, I don't know if you're around, but. Um, the new USC Village is open. And today's the first day of class. Um, so everything's you know, queer crazy solar eclipse, first day of class, everything's going on at USC. Uh the new USC Village is pretty awesome. I walked around it a little bit and checked it out. And uh Trader Joe's is uh is over there at the village, and we're gonna try to do a live event, record a podcast, uh with Dan Weber and then whoever's around. Um on Thursday around noon at the Trader Joe's at USC, we'll have a bunch of giveaways. So we're trying to put this all together. We'll put more information up on uscfootball.com. So make sure you go check that out. But we'll have like gift cards and uh, bags and and uh, we'll give away some free subscriptions and things like that. So uh, it should be a fun uh, day over at USC. So check check the site. Make sure we're just kind of putting the final touches on it now. It's kind of a last minute thing, but it'll be Thursday, August twenty fourth uh, at the Trader Joe's uh, at the USC Village. So, let you know, check it out. We'll we'll tweet out stuff about it, too. And uh, if you're around and you're around USC that time and you want to come by and get some, some giveaways, we'd love to uh, see you.
0: Get on over there, ladies and gentlemen, and take a look around. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, Ryan. I've been <clears throat> busy and traveling and so on. I'll be out of town, too, on Thursday and Friday. So I won't be able to make it, but uh, everyone else, if you can, you should get over there and take a look. I understand it's beautiful.
1: It's, yeah, it's pretty stunning over there. A lot different than when I was in school. This is the common theme that people were saying. But it's pretty cool. All right. Great. Coach, thanks so much again for coming on, sharing all your insights. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you soon and talking to you next time.
0: Thank you very much. And for all of you out there, have a great uh, week. And we'll talk to you next uh, Monday.
1: All right. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's one 1-800- 800 Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.